now I can speak. I was going to try and uh, toot the car horn with my keys this morning, but I was afraid it might be too far away and might not hear it anyway. So. I invite you to open your Bibles with me, please, to Philippians chapter 1. Well, Philippians chapter 1, yes. And to find your insert and to follow along as we look at this together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here together this morning. And we just ask your blessing on our children as they're in children's and juniors, junior church. And we pray that you would just speak to us through your word this morning, through your Holy Spirit, and help us to allow you to really apply to our hearts and lives that which you have for us this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we jump right into the book of Philippians, I want to draw your attention to the ministry memo that's in your bulletin this morning. And you will see that there are two different uh, areas of ministry included and addressed in the memo this morning. First one is the preliminary partnership forms and then the pastoral search prayer commitment. And both these forms are out in the foyer on the table. Now, some of you have, who are members here have not yet filled out the partnership form. And for us to be able to move on and uh, really begin to implement the leadership model that we voted on and adopted, we really need you to fill these out. There are extra forms out on the table, and please... Uh, take them and, and fill them out. It, you can do it in about five minutes. And if you can even fill it out before you leave today, that would be greatly appreciated. Also on the table in the foyer is a sheet like this. It's a pastoral uh, search prayer commitment. And it's almost all full. And we'd like to encourage you to put your name there and to pray for us over the next uh, several weeks and over the next months as we begin and conclude our search for your next pastor. Okay, so we're in the book of Philippians, and our uh, theme throughout this book that we're looking at together is turning toward joy, discovering a joy that circumstances cannot change. And we are presently looking at the uh, subject of the joy of adversity. Now, last week we looked at this together and we discovered that adversity provokes growth in our lives. And, I'm sorry, I'm getting my papers mixed up here. Let me, let me start over. We learned last week that adversity promotes the progress of the gospel. Adversity provides opportunities for witness Adversity produces courage in fellow believers, and adversity proves the character of friendship. We looked at that last week, 
And this morning we're going to begin by looking together at adversity provokes growth in our lives. And we're going to read this morning from Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. If you would follow along on, in your Bibles or on your electronic devices. Paul is writing and he says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And so as we pick up our consideration of Philippians chapter 1, we learn from Philippians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 that adversity provokes growth in our lives. Two men were shot down in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and they were both imprisoned together in the Hualo prison there in Vietnam. They were isolated, they were chained to cement slabs, and they were beaten with shackles, and they were receiving the same abuse over a lengthy period of time. Being tortured and, and going through a horrible time of imprisonment had an impact on both these men. But the impact was very, very different. One man lost hope, and there in the Hoalo prison committed suicide. The other man had a deep faith in his Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And this adversity separated these two. And one was able to, through that confinement and through that imprisonment, establish and maintain his faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And it got him through that horrible, horrible imprisonment and time of adversity. Now, as Paul looks at his confinement here, he saw it as another method of bringing him to his ultimate goal 
of spiritual maturity. There were three things at work in Paul's life to help him accomplish that goal. First of all, we see here in verse 19 the prayers of his friends. Notice what he says, For I know that this will turn out to my deliverance through your prayers. Paul knew that the Philippian believers were praying for him. And he was depending on their prayers. And as we look at other uh, books in, in the New Testament, in Romans and Ephesians and Thessalonians, we see that these believers were praying for Paul and that he was faithfully praying for them. Now, often when facing trouble, we are the focus of the prayers of God's people. And that is something that, that really enables us to continue on and to continue to grow in our faith and to mature in our spiritual life, knowing that there are believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who are praying for us during our time of testing, during our time of adversity. And it's important for us to be sure to pray for others as they go through a difficult time. And the prayer request that really should be at the top of our list as we pray for others is for their spiritual growth and their spiritual maturity through a difficult time. And Hope and I have, have personally experienced where God's people have prayed for us during times of adversity. And we have had the privilege of praying for others during times of adversity. And we have been bringing before you uh, quite faithfully, the importance of praying for Shane and Jeannie and the family during their time of testing. And we want to encourage you to continue to do that. To, you know, as time goes on, we can tend to forget about things that people are going through. And we need to be faithful in praying for one another through their times of adversity and praying that God will accomplish in their lives what he desires. And so Paul is saying here, you know, uh, yeah, this is a tough time, but I know you Philippians are praying for me, and I know that God will take me through this as a result. And then Paul is not only sustained by the prayers of his friends, but he was also encouraged, he says here in verse 19, by the provision of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, this past week I read about a gentleman by the name of David Jacobson who was a hostage in Beirut for 17 months. He was the head of uh, the largest hospital in West Beirut. And one day in 1985, three hooded men came into the hospital and they were wielding machine guns and they took him captive. They bound him and gagged him and they took him from one hideout to the other. He was in cold dirt floors and chained and he was moved from place to place. And in the last 45 days of his imprisonment, he was in a six by six cell on a dirt floor, cold, and damp, and in a very difficult situation. But he writes, 
uh, that he, as an American, he was particularly hated by his captives. And instead of the captors being able to break his spirit, God worked in his life in a wonderful way. And then he wrote this. I discovered that no one's faith was weakened by the hell we found ourselves in. We hostages, I love this, founded the church of the locked door. Pretty good, huh? Grasping hands, we would quote scripture and pray. Oddly, our guards seemed to respect us. Our togetherness in prayer showed me that when the holy comforter is called, he answers. And in November of 1986, after uh, 17 uh, months of imprisonment, he was released. And he said, the presence of God, the great comforter, was stronger than ever. The third dynamic at work during this time of adversity in Paul's life was the determination of the apostle. You know, the prayers of God's people, extremely important. The provision of the Holy Spirit of God, extremely important. But notice what Paul writes in verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. We see here that Paul was determined. He was determined in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and by the prayers of God's people for him to continue faithfully walking with God even in the worst of adversity. Paul's own determination gave him confidence that he would come through the ordeal and that he would see his friends in Philippi again. And to describe his attitude, he used the phrase earnest expectation and hope. Now, these words in the Greek convey the idea that you look away from the thing that could cause you to be discouraged and could cause you to lose hope, and you look away from that to something else. And in Paul's, point, Paul's case, he was looking only to his Lord and Savior. And when we go through difficult times, when we keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, he can take us through those difficult times. Now, first of all, Paul writes here that he was determined to have a clear conscience. He says that I will not be put to shame in anything. Even though under pressure in a Roman prison, Paul was determined to live a holy and righteous life. He would not use his adversity as an excuse for spiritual relapse. As Keith was, was teaching Sunday school this morning, and very, very good class this morning, um, my thoughts went to the message today. And Keith brought out the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ in spite of everything he went through, he kept walking and moving toward the cross. 
because he knew that was God's will for him. And, you know, so many times when, when Christians go through difficult times, and, and as Christians we do go through difficult times, there have been many who have just walked away from God and have said, forget it, it's not worth it. And they go into spiritual relapse and, and just uh, spiritual shipwreck. Well, Jesus didn't allow that, obviously, and Paul doesn't either. He does not allow this adversity, and this is only one part of adversity that Paul lived through. We saw some last week. But Paul was resolute. He had a determination, and he had a clear conscience to continue forward so that he would not be put to shame in anything. And then Paul was determined to have a courageous testimony. He uses the words that with all boldness. Paul was determined to use his adversity as an opportunity to more loudly proclaim Christ. While many might be silenced by adversity, Paul actually turned the volume up and continued to represent and speak about his Lord. And then... Paul was determined uh, to have a Christ-centered focus. Verse 20, he writes, that Christ shall be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. From a human standpoint, uh, Paul's body was fairly useless to him during this time. He was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. But Paul saw beyond that and He was determined that Christ would be exalted in his body, whether he was chained to a Roman soldier or whether he was more free in an apartment where people could come in and hear about the Lord. A gentleman by the name of Guy King uh, suggests some of the ways our body can exalt and glorify and magnify the Lord. He wrote this, Christ magnified in the body, magnified by lips that bear happy testimony to him magnified by hands employed in his service, magnified by feet only too happy to go on his errands, magnified by shoulders happy to bear one another's burdens. I think I've probably mentioned to you uh, how when we were in Spain, after I graduated from uh, taking care of plants, for uh, several months, moving them in and out of the building and making sure they didn't die. Some died anyway. Um, But after graduating from that, I began to work with um, elementary age kids. And we we met in a little room uh, every Saturday afternoon. And there there were probably eight, 10, 12 of us huddled in that little room and all Uh, young guys. And we came up with a name. We called ourselves the Discoverers, Los Descubridores. And we studied the Word of God together every week. We had fun playing games and so on and so forth. And one study we we did over a lengthy period of time was how uh, our bodies are, are not our own. We're bought with a price. And so we studied all that together over a period of several weeks. And when we got to the end of it, we had a time there 
in that little room, huddled together, where we, in prayer, out loud, gave every part of our body from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet to God. And there was one young boy there. His name was uh, Dan Portugal, Dan Portugal. He was there, and he came to me. They, uh, my name in Spain was David. They called me David. He came to me, and he said, David, that has really impacted my life. He was just a kid. He, he was probably Carter's age. He said, that has really impacted me. Well, over the years... Um, you know, they got older, of course, went into youth group. And Don and I had a discipleship relationship where I continued to work with him and disciple him. Make a long story short, um, when he was of age, he came over to, to Michigan, went to Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music, Grisville. Studied from there, graduated, met a girl, and... Um, the summer we came back from Spain to uh, remain here in the United States, he had contacted us ahead of time and said, I'm, I'm going to be married at Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music, and I'd like you to come to the wedding. Well, we, we did. We traveled out and went to the wedding, uh, we and our three girls. And when Don was giving testimony at his wedding, he talked about that. He said about the day huddled in a little room in Spain, he gave his body to God. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, I just sat there and just said, wow, thank you, Lord. From there, he went on to seminary, graduated, and now he's back in Spain as a missionary. And, and it's it's wonderful to see what can take place. Um, I share that because it's just a blessing to me to see that. But it's amazing what can take place when we give our bodies to God. And, and if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that. Find a quiet place. Just get alone with God. And there in prayer, start right up here. Lord, whatever hair I have, it's yours, man. And, and I'm not trying to be flippant about this. But just all the way down. And Paul is talking here about Christ being magnified and exalted through his body. And that's something that we should aspire to and pray for, that that would be the fact. Dr. David Jeremiah writes, when we magnify Christ, we do not do it microscopically. A microscope takes that which is little and makes it big. Our Lord is not little, so he doesn't need to be made big. He goes on, then we must magnify him telescopically. We must take the Lord who is far away from so many and bring him close at hand. That's a good truth. Quite often, 
The Lord uses adversity in our lives as a lens through which he can be seen. In the process of it all, he is developing our character so that we be worthy reflectors of his glory. Paul is teaching us that character is not often developed when things are going easily. Character is often developed when we're going through adversity. Would you, would you agree with that? Thinking of your own life? It's through those times of, of testing, through those times of adversity, where we grow more than when things are just going kind of smooth and we're just kind of coasting along. Wouldn't you say? I know that's true for me. Adoniram Judson was a missionary to Burma, and he illustrates the attitude that Paul is trying to convey here. After 14 years of ministry on the mission field in Burma, we could ask, well, what did he have to show for all his work? Well, the truth of the matter is, he had, all he had to show at that point in time was the grave of his wife and the graves of all his children who had died while he was serving there. Things got so difficult at one point, he wrote, if I had not felt certain that every additional trial was ordered by infinite love and grace and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. But he never thought about throwing in the towel. He was resolute. He was determined to continue to walk faithfully with his God. And he did pray during that difficult time that he might be able to live long enough to translate the entire Bible into the native language of the Burma, Burmese people and that he would be able to preside over a native church of at least 100 members. So, adversity provokes growth in our lives. Secondly, adversity purifies our motives. Notice what Paul writes in verse 21, which is probably the key verse of this whole letter. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. No wonder... Paul's life had such power. He did not focus on the adversity. He did not focus on the confinement. He did not focus on prison. He did not focus on the shackles. He did not focus on the rats that were in the prison. He focused on Jesus Christ. And at this adversity purified his motives. When we know who we are and why we are here and where we are going, we can confidently face each new day and even the adversity we go through has new meaning. A gentleman by the name of Alec Moiter uh, illustrates this. He says, Two friends were walking together. One older, and one, wise, uh, one older and wise and the other younger and passing through a severe testing. The older friend with loving wisdom said, No moment will ever again be like this. Let there be something of Jesus in it. It is not something for Jesus if we're focusing 
on our adversity. There will be nothing of Jesus in it if we're focusing on our miseries. It is something for Jesus if we think and speak about him and his glory. It is something for him if we acknowledge and trust his all-sovereign will. And that is a whole lot easier for me to write in my notes and to repeat than it is in everyday life. But adversity does purify our motives and, and get all the rubbish and all the garbage to one side and help us to realize to live as Christ and to die is gain. Thirdly, adversity prepares us to see life and death. Notice what Paul writes here, beginning in verse 22. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all your progress and join the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. When a Christian faces adversity, especially if it is intense and prolonged, his perspective on life and death can be brought into sharp focus. Now, maybe sometimes we have thought, boy, I really wish the Lord would come back before Wednesday because Tuesday I have this horrible exam in school or whatever. You know, we, we tend to think in terms of, boy, I wish the Lord would come back so that I could get out of this bad situation that I have coming down the road. Well, that wasn't Paul's perspective. See his perspective here. He says, man, I would love to go and be with the Lord because that's going to be so much better. I'd love to do that. But, you know, and he didn't say this in any proud or arrogant way. He said, you know, the Philippian people really need me right now. And so even though it would be so much better to go to heaven, it's more needful for me to stay here now and to be here and to help these people and to help them grow in their relationship to Christ. You know, I, I, I get thinking about this from time to time uh, when Hope and I go through different experiences and different testings and different uh, forms of adversity. I get thinking about that a little bit. And I'm not going to go into detail about it, but just uh, over the last uh, week or so, uh, Hope and I went through a time of testing. And as we were having our devotions together, uh, one day Hope prayed, one, and the other day I prayed, we kind of flipped back and forth. But uh, one day Hope prayed, and as she was praying, I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's a neat prayer. So the next day I repeated it. And in, in, in essence, it was this. Lord, you know that we would love to be married for many, many more years and to serve you together for many more years. We believe 
there's more you want for us to do. But if you have other plans, that's okay. And you know, our perspective of, of life and death can, can take on different, different modes as we go through times of testing. And uh, when we go through these times, it gives us a sharper focus on life and death. And something I, I saw here, uh, I really, really like this, and this is in your, in your uh, insert. And so we're going to wrap it up uh, with this. Remaining here is a temporary residence. Departing to be with Christ, a permanent abode. Remaining here, suffering mixed with joy. Departing to be with Christ, joy without suffering. Remaining here, suffering for a while. Departing to be with Christ, joy forever. Remaining here, absent from the Lord. Departing to be with Christ, at home with the Lord. Remaining here, the fight. Departing to be with Christ, the feast. Remaining here, the realm of sin. Departing to be with Christ, the realm of complete deliverance from sin. Absolute holiness. And Paul had that perspective. And that's a great perspective. For us to have as well. So as we've seen in, in these verses over the last couple weeks, adversity promotes the progress of the gospel, adversity provides opportunities for witness, adversity produces courage in fellow believers, adversity proves the character of friendship, adversity provokes growth in our lives, adversity purifies our motives, in adversity prepares us to see life and death in perspective. And then you have this in the back of your bulletin. The things that happen unto me are not by chance, I know, but because my Father's wisdom has willed to have it so, for the progress of the gospel is a part of his great plan, God can use our disappointments and the weaknesses of man. Give me faith to meet them bravely, trials I do not understand, to let God work his will in me, to trust his guiding hand. Help me to shine a clear, bright light and not to live in vain. Help me hold forth the word of life in triumph over pain. And so Paul helps us here to get a picture of adversity and what God desires to produce in our lives and through our lives for his glory. And I pray that we will embrace this when we go through times of testing, when we go through times of difficulty, when we go through times of adversity, that we would embrace this and allow the Lord to fulfill his purposes. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and for his beautiful testimony here. Help us, we pray, to be more like him and obviously more like our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.
Okay, at this time, we'll dedicate some time to praises and prayer requests. Anyone? 